Hello and welcome to Getting Goosebumps, the weekly podcast exploring the business of storytelling, where I interview many of the world's greatest marketers and storytellers to share their insights and ideas of how to put emotion into marketing. Hello and welcome to Getting Goosebumps. I'm your host, Brian Adams, and this week I'm talking to none other than Gary Vaynerchuk. Uh, Gary is uh, most known for taking his family wine business, growing it from a $3 million business to a $60 million business in five years. And he used um, email and video and the emerging social media platforms of the day to do so. So he's one of the, the first uh, shining examples of, um, of how to scale a traditional business using uh, digital content. Now he runs uh, one of the most successful and fastest growing uh, digital agencies in America called VaynerMedia and he has a huge, incredible personal brand and today I explore how that translates into real growth for his agency, so relating uh, personal brand into into business, which is um, interesting for you marketers out there. We talk about the Ask Gary V show and his uh, new book of the same name and the device he uses... Um, to, to create empathy with his community because obviously if you answer the questions of your community then you're connecting and engaging in a very authentic way. So we explore the device and how that adds value to Gary and his, and his business. So we also talk about storytelling, um, what it takes to be a great storyteller, not just a good storyteller. Uh, some people are natural, uh, some people have to learn uh, to tell better stories and um, Gary is definitely on the natural side but he walks us through the key ingredients for being a great storyteller and translating that into business uh, which is, is probably is probably the key thing that really we, we need to understand um, to get that ROI from storytelling into to growing our business and hitting the bottom line. So some fantastic um, tips and tricks and, um, and talking points in this episode. It's probably one that you'll listen to a number of times. So without further ado, let's get into the show. Hello and welcome to another show, everyone. Today, I'm joined by the social media titan, Gary Vaynerchuk. Gary, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. Before we start, by the way, Gary, uh, I was interviewing Brian Solis this morning and uh, he said to say hello and he loves you, man. <laughs> so there you go. I've passed it on. Thank you. <laughs> um, Gary, a lot of people uh, listening will be familiar with your Ask Gary V show, um, but now you've produced a book off the back of that. So uh, can you start by telling us a little bit about that? Yeah, you know, I realized uh, a couple of years ago that when I was doing public speaking, that the last 15 minutes where I did Q&A really shed the most value to the audience and also shed a really good light on me because it showed that I really kind of knew my craft and could speak to it. And so um, I, a couple of years ago, I decided, you know, Q&A is my favorite format. It's bringing out new content and new ideas out of my mind. And uh, I decided to start a show. Uh, I've done 185 of them at this point. And, um, and it became very apparent to me that uh, a lot of people were curious about a lot of different subject matters and that it would make a really great book. And so I decided to make the Ask Gary V book. Uh, it's a more 360 approach to my life. It talks about leadership um, and empathy and self-awareness and a lot of other things that I haven't historically spoke about. Um, and so I'm pretty proud of it and I'm excited about it. And uh it's a juicy book, and obviously, it still talks about social media marketing and all these out other things. Um, but uh, it's definitely the uh, the most up to date thinking I have around being 
entrepreneur, an executive, a dad, uh, a, uh, a complete kind of look into that world. Mm. Okay, cool. And I guess you're right in the middle of um, book promotion hustle right now. Yeah. Mm. Quite a bit. <laughs> okay. So when, when you're promoting your books, Gary, I've, I've seen that you put a lot of effort into the, um, the barter deals, uh, amongst other things. Um, is that is that to directly shift volume, um, or is it more to create more engagement with your community? Because you know a lot of what you do is by design uh, generates a lot of engagement. So you know the barter thing is something I started with Crush and it's become a, a much bigger um, um, <laughs> execution by a lot of different authors. I mean, no question, its DNA is grounded in um, in moving volume. Um, and, and selling a lot of books. However, a lot of the prizes, a, a lot of the way I market it is very predicated on trying to get as much engagement as possible out of the community and with the community. And so, um, I would, I would definitely say that it's an 80% sales mechanism and a 20% branding, uh, mechanism. Right. Okay, cool. I mean, just, just following on from that though, I mean, the Ask Gary V show, by design, you're constantly getting voice of the customer, I guess, you know, um, which uh, which allows you to continue to, to listen. You, you, you talk about um, you do a hell of a lot of more listening than most people give you credit for, I, I guess. How, how much do you think that the just the Ask Gary V show, how much do you think um, how much do you think that attributes the growth of your um, of your social community these days? Quite a bit. I think, um, you know, listen, the format of the show in itself is structured to create virality, right? The way you get on the show is by asking me a question on social media. And so uh, it's, it's been a game changer for me. And I, and I measure it in a lot of funny ways. Um, for example, pre the Ask Gary B show just 18 months ago, um, you know, I was taking one selfie every month, you know, living life, being a human on earth. I would walk around and somebody would come up to me once a month and say, hey, Gary B, love your stuff. I'd love to take a selfie. I now probably take, you know, one or two a day. And so, you know, I've definitely felt the difference in my engagement, uh, my growth on my YouTube channel and my uh, Instagram has been substantial because of it. Um, it's, it's been my rebirth of my brand because prior to the Ask Gary B show, I've been pretty head down for three or four years really working on um, building Vayner Media, And I had been five years since I made a wine video and put out content on a daily basis. Uh, I put up the occasional keynote speeches on my YouTube, but uh, it was definitely my re-entry into the world. Well, it's, you know, it's, it certainly had a huge impact um, on, on, on Twitter. And, um, well, I guess also... Um, Meerkat and Periscope, um, and you put it out on all of your, your social uh, channels. I guess what's interesting is you produce one bit of content and you manage to um, to create a cascading effect through all of your, your channels. Do you think that's part of um, your ability to, to scale and put out so much content and engage in, in lots of different channels? Yeah, no, I definitely think that you know, the concept of putting the show together and then having five answers and then DJing the content into quotes 
and micro pieces of content, clips on video, medium posts. My entire strategy is predicated on create the Ask Gary V show at the top of the funnel and then create a lot of micro pieces of content um, per platform predicated on the content that comes out of the show. And so my medium posts, my LinkedIn posts, my slide shares, uh, clips of videos, it all stems from uh, from the Ask Gary V show. Even my thoughts, you know, a fan recently pointed out that my first time that I used the analogy that the phone is the television and the television is the radio happened in me ad hoc answering a question on the Ask Gary V show. And now that's the pillar of my presentations at VaynerMedia. And so it is an absolutely incredible reverse engineered mechanism for me to extract out a lot of thoughts and ideas that I don't think I would have done just living life. I get to interact with the community. I get to bring them value, but the community is giving back to me because of the format to extract better IP for me. And then my team is taking that information and creating a lot of pieces of content around it. Absolutely. <clears throat> I guess um, none of that would be possible if, um, if, you weren't such a good storyteller. Now, you've got a reputation for being an incredibly, incredible storyteller. What do you put that down to? You know, it's funny. My mom used to tell me my grandfather, who I met, but unfortunately don't remember because he died when I was little, my mom's dad, he always spoke in analogies. And he always um, would tell stories at dinner tables. And it's funny. I think it's a DNA thing. Uh, my, you know, I'm, I'm, always been somebody who could like even in second and third grade or when my uh my I remember when a, a couple friends slept over in fourth grade and literally from like eight o'clock at night to like one in the morning I just was laying on my basement floor telling random stories making up stories using the kids in our class in the narrative it's always always been there I think the reason I did well on Twitter was 140 character limit worked for me because I love analogies I love quick quotes you know, I, I think, you know, for you, for example, when you get to interview me, uh, I'd like to, and, and I know Solis and I know all the other characters, and I think a lot of them are actually far more educated than I am. But I know, Bri, that I'm a good interview because I'm going to say quotable stuff, stuff that's going to resonate. And more importantly, stuff that actually people understand. Don't forget, I got to do a thousand episodes, a thousand episodes of 20 minute content called Wine Library TV, where I would sit and describe wines to non-wine drinkers and young people that, and undereducated wine drinkers, and I had to make them understand this complicated beverage in layman's terms. I've been synthesizing information and making it consumable for a very long time. Mm. Absolutely, but you do that naturally, and you shoot from the hip. now. You're right. I've interviewed a number of other social media influencers and um, experts on storytelling, and they've all got process, and they break it down, and they've got ingredients. Um, you know, they've they've given a lot of thought, and you know, they'll they'll write about it. Um, I don't even know whether you'll be able to answer this question, Gary, based on your approach to this. But what do you think are the key ingredients to to a good story? I think the best ingredient to a good story is understanding what your audience wants to hear. And, 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 so, and so because I have so much listening capability and so much empathy, I'm able to really understand what they want to hear. Now, what I think makes a great storyteller is 
not a good one, is understanding what your audience wants to hear and understanding what you should tell them predicated on that and allowing the authentic, most high value information get to them instead of pandering or manipulating them. Okay. And uh, and that's and that's a, a game changer really, isn't it? You know, because that's that's not always been the case, right? That's not the case for 99% of the people storytelling right now. <laughs> yeah. So I I think I'm playing one big global game of jab 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 right hook and mm. that's why I think I've uh, I think I've separated myself. And I think the reason I've separated myself is a lot of reasons. And 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 this is where Listen, everybody listening to the podcast, I want to apologize because I'm about to go into ego, Bill, uh, <laughs> because I uh, I do that sometimes, and that's just my truth. I, I, I hope you catch me in other times where I'm loaded with humility, but right now I'm about to go on ego, Bill. Look, th- Brian, this is documented fact. Outside of a very few people, and definitely nobody who was a purebred social media expert, I sell the most books, right? Like my books sell more than the other people's, Right. A lot of other people that are compared to me as social media experts and things of that nature, if you go back to 2006, 7, 8, 9, 10, as you know, many of them tried to start agencies, right? Here's what's happened. None of them have one, and I have one of the biggest agencies in the world. <laughs> so I, I think that, you know, I think that what's separated me is talent. And by the way, I take no credit for this. Mom and dad had sex at the right moment and gave me talent. (laughs) So it's not like, I don't say this out of ego. It's, I say it out of results, out of results. And I think what has happened is I'm an actual business person. I'm an actually good storyteller. I actually work my face off, right? It's 9.17 PM. I've been going since 6 AM, right? I've got two more meetings. I have a 10 PM dinner meeting starting time. So not only am I probably at least in business and storytelling, talented, right? But I also disproportionately outwork the far majority of people that look like me. And that's given me a huge advantage. That's just real talk. <laughs> yeah. I've had people uh, describe you as Marmite. You know, some people love you or hate you. And <laughs> some people might be pissed off listening to that. But the... Um... And and by the way, right, the reason I'm saying it, and you're right, some people may be pissed off. I'm saying it for a very specific reason. I'm going to be fine. I'm already fine. I I don't need it. Listen, I stroke my ego to myself. I don't need to say it out loud. I'm saying it because I want everybody who's listening that's working hard to know that that matters. You know, the, the guy or the girl right now that it's 1130 at night and they're working on their product or their service or their coding or they're redoing their website, or they're writing a blog post, or they're trying to think about their next ebook, right? I want them to know that hard work is part of it. (laughs) I hear you, you, Gary. uh... I know you do. The reason I'm doing this interview is because you're working hard. We're watching everybody. You know how many people want me to be on their podcast so they can leverage my name to get other guests and build their business? A lot. How many? All of them. (laughs) So I'm, I'm, I'm not with you right now, for any other reason, then we respect you in the way that we vet who we want to be associated with. And so I know you're working hard. Cool. Well, I appreciate that. Now, listen, marketers aside, because um, I always like to look outside of the worlds yes, that, I, uh, that I'm in. Marketers aside, who are the best storytellers in the world? Who else should we be learning from? 
who are great uh, storytellers. Musicians, right? I mean, are you kidding? The fact that you can make a three-minute song that everybody that that seven billion times like think about some of the best songs of the year. How many times do you think the best song of the year is listened to? How many times do you think "Hello" by Adele has been listened to in oh, the world? So many, yeah. I don't know. Huh. Like, like in my best, in my entire career, less people will hear me in my entire career than listen to "Hello" by Adele this week. <laughs> That's phenomenal, isn't it? So, so music musicians that write, I think, are incredible and and transcend the their commercial and their artistic, and I think that makes them very special because there's incredible poets and short storytellers, but they're not being consumed at scale, right? Mm. And so musicians fascinate me because literally one hook with the right beat and the right narrative can you know build your legacy forever, which I think is quite powerful and I'm fascinated by. Brilliant. Well, I haven't had that answer before, but certainly can't argue with it. So, Gary, you're you're a natural on stage. I get the sense that you um, you're really comfortable and you love talking to big crowds. How how do you go about curating new content to refresh your your talks? That must be tough. Very tough, and I get into patterns. And now you're digging into another reason I started the Ask Gary V Show. Right? I felt that I had tapped out in a way that made me not happy around the things that I would talk about. And I needed my community to help pull out new thoughts and ideas. Has that worked for you? Quite a bit, my man. Brian, I got to tell you, I am so excited on the dawn of this book release because people that have no vested interest, people that have found me to be a little too aggressive, egotistical, you know, loud East coast, uh, people that don't even know who I am that have gotten galley copies because they're in media or PR have been overwhelmingly positive for this book. And I know it's because my community extracted better information out of me. Yeah. I mean, that, that comes across on, um, lots every, every now and again. And it's, well, I've got to say, actually, it's rare that you'll pause for breath and go, Oh, that's, that's a good one. Usually, you know, you've got, you've got an answer for everything, right? But, (laughs) um, but no, that's, that comes, that comes across from, uh, from the show when, when you, cause you take a lot of questions on stage as well. Um, Yes. What questions still amaze you? You know, because people must put their hand up and genuinely want to know the answer to some some questions, and they're still asking some, some the same questions. Is there any questions that just amaze you every time they're asked? You know, quite a few actually. This, this is tough for me to say because I don't mind being snarky or kind of aggressive around me, but I don't like to judge people. But I got to say, sometimes you'll give them, you know, it's, I would say fifty percent of my questions are asked after I gave a keynote and I've just spoken for 45 minutes and literally people ask questions on things that I covered and and it's not because they need the answer, right? It's not because they need the answer or to hear it again. It's they need the permission to do it. Okay. So I think the question that really fascinates me the most or surprises me is they needed me to say it to them instead of the audience. (laughs) Yeah. You've got to put in the work or yeah, it's okay to find your own personal work-life balance or yeah, you know, Facebook ads do work or yeah, Snapchat really does have a chance, uh, you know, to do something. And so it's this really, really interesting thing where the questions that surprise me are predicated on somebody needing it 
a double affirmation to give them permission to go do something that they've either struggled with or doesn't come natural to them. <laughs> that's, that's weird. <laughs> it is weird. But think about it. Think of, For everybody who's listening right now, the next conference you go to and there's Q&A, watch. One in every two questions is literally a question that was already answered on stage. They just want that person to say it to them one more time. Well, I'm definitely going to look out for that now that you've said it. So the interesting thing for me about storytelling is a lot of people are talking about it right now, and it's obviously integral to um, to marketing, uh, modern-day marketing. But not, not every great storyteller is a great marketer. Give us the, the key... Uh, the, the key things that that transcend. Uh, I got it. I got where you're going with that. If you do not have an agenda for the story around a transaction, you can't be good at marketing, right? Like, like if your story is there to entertain, or what's really fascinating is a lot of people want to tell stories that they creatively wanted to just get out there. I mean, we know, you know what you just said. You said there's a difference between an artist and an artist that has commerce DNA. Mm, Yeah, absolutely. And so that's the difference between a storyteller and a storyteller that has marketing chops. I am a really good storyteller, but it's interwoven with sales DNA. Other people can't sell you an ice bucket full of water during 107 temperature day because it's just not in them but they may be able to be a great storyteller and that's what you call a purebred artist fair enough fair enough um okay just switching the dials a little bit you yeah. you you've also got a reputation for investing your time and energy into social media channels early on um you openly talk about it all the time the importance of investing early on to grow your community how much of of that game is um, is producing great content and the strategy and, and tactics behind the scenes? I want to make sure I understand the question one more time. So, so if producing great content that your audience loved was enough, you wouldn't have to worry about investing early on in in, in channels to make got sure it. you're there. I would I would say got it. So I would say listen. I think. For anybody who's listening right now that wants to have a personal brand, you look at an app like Musical.ly, right? Music.ly. And and it's emerging. It's very much got Instagram and Snapchat DNA. If you go on there and build a brand and put out great content right now, you will have a better chance of breaking out than if you do it a year later. There is an absolute supply and demand of attention. Right? Yes. So if you think about it, the cream will always rise to the top. So for example, I am late to my aggressiveness on Instagram because it was built in its heyday during the time that I was most not worried about my personal brand. Right? Mm Mm-hmm. Now you look at the first three or four years of Instagram and I have 43,000 followers and a certain percentage of engagement. You look at the last 12 months that I've gone from 43,000 to 250,000 and even better engagement off a bigger base, which is hard, right? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, absolutely. So I'm good. And I mean that. I'm good at social. I think I have good content. And so I was able to break out. If I did the same, so I was able to rise to, not the top, because there's plenty of people that have way more followers, but I'm doing well in my competitive set around my business genre. However, if I had done that 36 months earlier, I'd be at 1.4 million followers right now. Really? So, so there's an absolute land grab. Right? Like if you're smart about real estate and you realize New York is a good place to buy real estate, well, you would have made money in the last five years. You would have made a lot more if you bought it 50 years ago. <laughs> so, so, so to underestimate, yes, supply will always rise to the top. Supply, excuse me. The best quality content in a supply and demand marketplace will rise to the top. But for us individuals who are listening, being an early mover matters. We all live through Twitter and there's been plenty of great people that have joined. And if you're already famous and things of that nature, but me, Gary, like if I waited another year or two on Twitter, I would have been way behind where I was. Um, and, and it really mattered to my career. And so I would tell you that it is imperative, just imperative for people to uh, not underestimate first mover advantage and say, well, I'm going to not waste my time. I'll wait to see if it's a main platform. I actually think there's more downside in waiting and then actually going forward, having four of the five platforms. I would argue that the next five platforms that you went all in on, if four of them died in a year and you quote unquote wasted your time versus the one that actually hit, you would win versus waiting for the five and then only jumping into the one that hit a year or two later. Yeah, no, absolutely. That, that makes a lot of sense. Gary, you, you touched on this earlier. You've got a, a huge digital marketing agency growing at such a rapid rate. And you spend a lot of time building your personal brand. What I don't think you've spoken much about is how you pivot and use that um, to to transcend it into, into business for your digital agency. Because we don't see uh, VaynerMedia ads or um, marketing or content that's just vain media and you don't talk about the services and, and that kind of stuff so how how do you use the power of your personal brand to land more clients for your agency my personal brand is the only reason this company exists the you know in 2009 pepsi and campbell's and the nhl and the original clients of vayner media only came to be because of my personal brand then we did quality work, then word of mouth kicked in, then other people came in. But I mean, we have, we, you know, Toyota is a very big client. I went and gave a speech that I got paid for at a Toyota offsite and a very senior executive was there. And that led to us uh, getting a very multi-million dollar account. Well, let's backtrack it. They would have never invited me to speak if there was no Gary V keynotes on YouTube and the Ask Gary V Show or books, right? So my personal brand has been at the forefront of the gateway drug of clients since the inception. And now that the show is getting bigger and better and better and the book is out there, it's happening even more. Not because I'm so charismatic or I'm so out there. It's because a lot, I mean, look, and you know this, right? Like go watch a keynote that I gave in 2009. Go watch a keynote that I gave in 2011. Keep a scorecard of what I was right and what I was wrong about. I'm sitting really pretty. Yeah, absolutely. And so originally it was that I was kind of this character. And originally um, uh, there was a, 
a, a lot of, uh, <clears throat> you know, whether charisma or showmanship, but you know, as every day goes by, I'm winning much more on my stake than my sizzle, uh, both on my personal brand bringing value to the agency and the agency itself growing out of the work it does. So is that still the case and still the plan to generate and grow your agency to, to just keep focused on the personal brand? Yeah. Um, uh, I will, uh, I will always focus on the personal brand for two reasons. One, it is highly strategic for my business. And number two, uh, my mother coddled me with love and admiration and compliments. And now I need the masses on social media to fill that void. <laughs> Fair enough. And, and that's just a true, listen, that's a very true answer. Like I, I feed off of comments and accolades and admiration, people asking for selfies. It makes me feel good. Like I don't like, I'm not embarrassed in the vanity of that. It's my truth that I can own my truth. Well, fair, fair enough. Absolutely. So, I mean, so, I mean, right. You like when people email you and say the podcast is phenomenal, right? Yeah, I love it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Who doesn't like that? I love when people are like, ah, oh, I don't care. I'm like, sure you do. <laughs> absolutely. So, Gary, I hear you, um, you could be coming to London soon to, um, to pub- publicize the book a little bit more. Yes, I'm really looking forward to that. When, when is that? Is that at the end of March, is it? Yeah, I think I think it's the twenty third. I'm pulling it up on my website as we speak. Um, Vayner World. I'm really excited about it as it's being dubbed. Um, I'm going to GaryVaynerchuk.com if you ever want to know where I'm at. Um, and let's see, is it here yet? Is it on the site? There it is. Vayner World, March twenty third. In Fantastic. London. Fantastic in London. Brilliant. So. Listen, Gary, you've given us um, many jabs over the last 30 minutes. I think it's only right that uh, you give us a final right hook, finish off, tell us exactly where you want um, the Getting Goosebumps audience to uh, to go and check you out. And uh, where can we get this book? Thank you. Uh, you know, I'd love for you guys to go to facebook.com slash Gary. Uh, so much starts from that hub, and I can send you the Gary VEE pages all over to um, – all over the other ecosystem, Facebook, you know, Snapchat, excuse me, Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter. Uh, I have that user handle. And then the book is available on Amazon and all major bookstores. And so I, uh, you know, at the end of the day, when I do these interviews, things of that nature, I'm always trying to figure out how do I bring the most value in 30 minutes that makes somebody say, you know, I actually got value there. And so I appreciate you giving me the minute. But to be honest, if I haven't provided enough value in the 200 free shows or the countless keynotes, or the engagement with so many of you on Instagram and Twitter, or the hundreds of thousands of emails that I've responded to, you know, I don't want to get the book sale unless I earned it. Unless I've earned that $19, I don't want it. You know what I mean? Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Well, uh, I'll certainly be uh, making my way down to, uh, to see you in London on the 23rd, Gary. Well, for now, that's, uh, that's just about all we've got time for. Um, just time left to say thanks for joining me today Gary it's been an absolute pleasure same take care of yourself (laughs) take care that's it guys join me again next week for uh, another episode um, on getting goosebumps and that's it for now cheers
So that's it for another week. I really hope you enjoyed that conversation. If you did, please feel free to subscribe or even check out our Getting Goosebumps marketing book available in Amazon. If you have any specific questions, you can also tweet us using the hashtag AskPH. I'd be delighted to answer your questions. Until next week, goodbye.